Guys, welcome back to the next. I am so excited. We're here again with part two. Jordan, I'm here. We are here. Yeah, with we Nikki. are here. That's correct. We're here with Nikki for part two. We're going to be touching on what is the supernatural today. So. Oh, I am so. I say this every time, but it's just because I am genuinely excited every single time we do this. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects with one of my favorite people. One day I will be your favorite person as well. But until then, I might have just break faith knees or something. Yeah. But <laughs> exactly. Whatever. Whatever. Okay. But oh, geez, I got two yeah, people got to two, pass. Those are, are two very precious uh, people in my life. Oh man. Jeez. Okay. Two. All right. Okay. I got to break two two sets of knees. Okay. But yeah. So so we're we're, we're here again with. With the good old Uncle Nicky, and we're going to be talking about the supernatural and how our generation can start walking in it, because that's what we're called to walk in. Right. It. That's what we're here, Amen. and that's your mission statement again to activate this generation in the supernatural power of God. Oh come on! Oh, that I think makes... our generation is going to love the supernatural. It is so attractive mm. well, to me. Is, I love so it. It's so different. It's like it's amazing. We look at this like we're so tired of religion because it's fake. Like, and exactly. then when we spoke, we spoken about this before, like the reason that people don't go to church in this generation is not because we're lazy. It's because we're not going to waste time on something that's fake. That's oh, not right. drawing you. Yeah, exactly. No. It's not. But when you see like, and the, the funny thing is we put so many limitations on God. And like we spoke about in the last episode, how your dad started the charismatic movement. And we started, you know, the first church to pray in tongues, the first church to clap their hands, which makes me giggle just to think about something <laughs> like that. Like you guys are that old, but uh, no. <laughs> stand there and exactly. don't smile. Exactly. Don't smile. Don't do anything. I'm like, you wonder why people didn't come mm. to church. Mm. But the thing is that we put so many limitations on God even back then. And now we have, we have the charismatic movement, but people still limit God. Mm, and we yeah. still say like, and I was like, man, my life changed this last week because I, I, God corrected me and spoke to me. He's like, why are you limiting me? Why are you limiting something that's not limitable? Why are you limiting the supernatural? Because in your heart, you've said, I can touch you and I can speak to you in church when you do your quiet time and when you're at small groups. Those are the only three times I'm allowed to talk to you. Mm. Why are you going to limit me like yeah. that? Mm. Stop putting limitations on me. Right. And the day that he spoke to me, like, and this was literally the other week, my life changed because I saw like God is not way, way, way out of reach. And he only <laughs> visits you in the church building itself, but he's everywhere. And oh, yeah. he's tangibly close to you so that you can hear the voice. And if you just, it's not that he's not speaking. It's if you just learn to be still and listen. And, and the thing is that for me to start listening to the voice of God, I had to silence everything else because I need to train myself. And yeah. now it's at the point where it's like, the world can be falling apart next to me. We can have ambulances running next, and like and I have all this noise and all this distractions. But when his voice speaks, everything else is silent. And I focus on that because the Bible says it. We're going to know the, know the voice of the shepherd when yeah. he calls. And so with that, experiencing the supernatural again like i grew up in and, and we've spoken about like you know from south africa and i'm sure you can you can testify to this to an extent but the two south africans sitting here we we grew up in a different kind of church it was a lot of fun oh yeah mm. oh we, we especially don't. from the church i grew up i grew up in a baptist church oh I mean, oh <laughs> man yeah and, i mean if you grew up if you grew up in like a hispanic church if you were a part of possible Maldonado's ministry if you were you know from outside of here you you had fun at church and the right. supernatural was there and people people enjoyed it and it was a completely different experience and you come over here and everything's just like it's just yeah. boring and it's I uh, didn't even know who the holy spirit was I didn't know the gifts could activate today wow. I didn't know there was healings to I you know no you hear ways. we'd be praying for that one person that was sick and they'd be they'd be healed and then it's like oh praise god but i've never seen an instant healing i never actually wow. knew that we could physically lay hands on someone and believe that they're going to be healed and get up out of that wheelchair or raise the dead today i thought it was that was all bible times i believe it back yes. then but i i didn't know it was for now if yeah. i knew it was for now i would have been show me yeah. how do i want to operate in that yeah exactly it's like the supernatural was for acts i'm like no 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 the supernatural's for now is not oh okay in the church and like no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> no starbucks yeah. The supernatural is for Starbucks. Yeah. The supernatural is for Dunkin's drive-thru. Yeah. The supernatural mm. is for Walmart. Yeah. It's for oh. everywhere. We don't have to leave. We don't ever have to right. leave communion with God. Yeah. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And, uh, and we're super excited to have you back once again. Um, and if you want to start, let's, <laughs> let's explain to those who maybe don't, maybe don't know 
Yeah. What is the supernatural? I think that's a good starting point, uh, Jordan and Eric, is that let's not take it for granted or let's have the idea that everybody knows mm-hmm. what the supernatural is. So let me lay this foundation. The supernatural has realms and dimensions. And so we have to understand how, how that works. So the word supernatural, first of all, means above the natural. <laughs> it's above time, space, and matter. So that's how the supernatural works. It's above time because time only came in when Adam and Eve sinned. Up till that point, there was no time. So time is a fallen thing. So when people say, oh, you know, time will heal everything. Time can't heal anything. The Holy <laughs> Spirit heals you. Yeah. Or the blood of Jesus heals you, you know. So time is a fallen thing. That's why when the supernatural comes on, let's say, financial blessings or miracles in the body, when the supernatural gets activated, it goes above the time. So you will pay five years on your car or 20 years on your home loan, natural. When the supernatural come above time, it takes time out of the equation and God can do an instant miracle. Like my house was paid off like that. <laughs> I didn't plan it. Just somebody came and says, how much do you own your house? And I send them the report and the next morning was settled you know it <laughs> is on. i would have paid 20 years i received that naturally yeah i received that too. you understand <laughs> yeah. but it was time was taken out it maybe would it would take you 20 years to build a ministry but when the supernatural comes on you can do it in two years you understand you yeah. need to place a demand on that now we'll get to that now but so the supernatural is above time it's above space if you look at everything that's happening uh miracles mm-hmm. that are happening above space and matter. How did Peter walk on the water? That's supernatural. He walked on the matter, the molecules. He walked on that. Uh, And so that's when the supernatural touch a person that's in a wheelchair maybe for for 10, 15 years that can't walk. Remember, when a person comes out of a wheelchair, for me, that's always a massive miracle. Um, And the reason for that is not that the person gets up, but the fact is that that legs didn't work for 10 years. <laughs> right. The muscles didn't work. Right. So in an instant, that muscles get strength. restoration. Bones get, gets, uh, let's say, manufactured. Everything gets working in seconds. Yeah. Now that for me is always so supernatural, just to see when a person gets out of a wheelchair or when a deaf ear starts hearing, or a blind eye starts seeing. Remember that child? I have never, I have, what, wait, hold on. Remember that mute, yes. that deaf and mute um, young man at Faith on Fire, I think it was a year or two ago. Yeah, last year, October, I think. Yeah, and God opened this young man's uh, deaf ears, and he could speak. Now, that is crazy. Do you think he's never heard sound? Well, that's the thing, is because you think about, like, like from, from birth, not hearing sound, so then what, the miracle is it's, it's twofold because it's not even that exactly. God created something out of nothing. One, right? Mm. God healed. Two, but then God took him outside of time where normally a baby with hearing takes months, mm. if not years, to learn <laughs> to get speak. It. You get it. He, what? <laughs> and you could hear sound. <laughs> you got it. When the leg grows, you know, we pray for thousands of people whose legs are growing. It's like you can become so familiar with that. But if you think about it, the skin has to stretch. It's a miracle. <laughs> the bones has to stretch. The muscles has everything has to move in line <laughs> with what you want. You know, it's I so always crazy. joke when I pray for people who's got whose legs are shorter than others. It's like, do you want to be taller or shorter? Have you ever seen legs shrink though? Has that happened to you? No, strange enough, nobody's asked for that. No. So everybody <laughs> wants to be taller in life. <laughs> I remember, let me speak to you about this. Um, this is what I've, like I said, I've seen many creative miracles in my life. But something that touched me was I preached in Louisiana, here in America, in a Catholic church. Now, for now that's different. One other reason they got a hold of me, and I <laughs> said to the father, he phoned me, he says, I need to come and preach in, his, in the Catholic church. I said, are you sure? You've got the right guy here. <laughs> you know, why must I come? He says, no, I want you to come. I heard from you from another friend of, of his. So I went to the Catholic church. They run through the whole protocol with me on how I must stand, don't touch the altar, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. So I religion, walk in with religion. him. He walks in the front. I walk behind him. We go up on the stage. And in my mind, it's like I am not 
going to speak about the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to speak about signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm not going to speak about anything that can create an offense for people. Mm -hmm. Some sort of friction between. So I yeah. just, I had literally came with a motivational message. And I stood there and I felt and I heard the Holy Spirit come in that building. <laughs> and I knew, yeah. You can't quench the Holy Ghost oh. and you can't grieve the Holy Ghost. And We've done that. I, I still tried to do point one and I said, listen, excuse me, but the Holy Spirit is here. And yeah, you look, you know, they all look at you and I said, let me just bring this peace to you. The Bible says in Acts that the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples. And I read them the scripture that the mother of Jesus, Mary, was in the upper room filled with the Holy Spirit. So I said, yeah. the mother you worshiping, she was in that upper room and she was filled with speaking other tongues. So it's, it's available it for you as <laughs> well. You know? yeah. And they were like, oh, really? I, you know, and <laughs> the power of God came in that place. And the first thing I did is I operated in my gift, which is miracles. And I said, all the sick people come to the front. And Jordan, they lined up like they were receiving mass, like in a straight <laughs> line up. I said, no, come to the altar, stand, you know, in a line. Like this. <laughs> yeah. Of and course, because uh, the they've, they've never done it before. That's yeah. hilarious. So I looked over the crowd and I, I, I looked for the biggest guy. I said, sir, come here, come stand behind him. Because I know the power of God's in the fall. <laughs> so I said, stand behind the, the people. And he asked me, he says, for what? Just like that. <laughs> I said, listen, if they fall. You know, just put them down nicely on the floor. Don't and let he, them hit the ground. Yeah, and he just looks at me like, whatever. And I started praying, and the power of God came in that building. And I started laying hands upon the, well, the first person. Second person um, was a person who, was, who, was, uh, who had a spinal uh, problem, prayed for them. Power of God hit them, got healed. Second one, deaf ear, got healed. You know, and so, now faith is rising in that place. Sure. You know, and then people just started getting healed and falling under power. The most ridiculous thing I saw, one woman fell under the power of God. She starts laughing. Like, you know, in Rodney Albright. Yes. Oh, like in your I've dad's heard, service. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that one, that one service we were sitting in, in the second row, you were preaching. Yeah. And our entire, the peanut gallery yeah. row just started laughing. <laughs> oh, we interrupted that whole myself, service. <laughs> I still say to the Holy Spirit, like, of all the things, why would you do that? <laughs> you know, this is now in like a religious chaos. environment. Yeah, in a religious out of all the th like the Holy you know, Spirit has a sense of humor. And she started <laughs> yes, laughing, and then when she started laughing, she went into tongues, and God filled her with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know? That's so good. And when I went back, Eric, the the father stood right in front of me, like wow. this with his robes and everything, and I said, "Yes, sir." And I'm thinking, "You, now I'm in trouble." You know, <laughs> he says, "I've got glaucoma on my eyes. I want you to <laughs> oh, pray for me." Wow. Laid my hands upon him, and uh, three days later, he phoned me. He says, "Come to my, to the, to the place." There. So I went there, and he showed me the reports, completely healed no. of glaucoma, and that touched that oh, man so so powerfully, you know. And he opened That's the doors so for me for a for a lot of <laughs> Catholic churches back then, <laughs> but. Um, that's the power of God. It goes beyond borders, goes beyond matter and space. And I've seen money appear in pockets of people. I've seen money appear in wallets and in microwaves and stuff like that. Because God just do, does supernatural things mm. to, to confront the wise and to confront every reli religious person. You can't deny a testimony. Yeah. No. If you are healed of, of a sickness, nobody can convince you that God doesn't heal. <laughs> Because mm -hmm. you went through that, you know. Yeah. So the supernatural for me is above space, matter, and, sp and time. And then it consists out of three dimensions, which is faith, the anointing, and the glory. Faith is the entry point into the supernatural. You cannot operate in the supernatural if you don't operate in faith. Faith opens the door for the miraculous to, to move. So you can't do things without faith. It's impossible to do things without faith. Now, let me just say this. There's... If I say three dimensions, they're not higher in rank. They're all the same, but it's different aspects. So the law of faith works like this. It's the law of expectation. Mm -hmm. That's what works, works for faith, is I must have expectation. Like, you're going to get your healing tonight. You're going to get your breakthrough. You're going to get something. That's, I'm creating faith in the hearts of people. So now we can move in the supernatural. Yeah. Then the anointing is not the glory. Now... The anointing, for instance, in the anointing, we heal the sick. 
when the glory comes, sickness is not allowed. <laughs> in the anointing, we have we slain the giants' heads. We have the powerful in the glory. Giants don't enter in. In the anointing, Jesus is our healer. In the glory, is our creator. That's where lungs get formed and hearts get formed and ears get formed and the dead are raised. In the anointing, we believe for prosperity. In the glory, we believe for wealth. In the anointing, we believe for, for people to get saved. In the glory, we trust continents to be shaken. So there's realms of the presence of God. Realms and the presence is not the glory. So you have to understand how this thing operates to move in that. And the Bible says this, in, he says, the whole earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Jordan, I really believe that we need to speak more about the glory. The knowledge of the glory. There's a deficit in the kingdom of God of people not understanding the glory. They think, oh, that, that, that service was so anointed. No, the glory was there. And yeah. because you don't know the difference, you're like ignorant to what's happening around you. Yeah. you know? So you have, to be, you have to be conscious of what's happening around you. And then for me, so that's how the supernatural operates in those three dimensions. And like I said, each one of them has a law. The law of faith works on the law of expectation. The anointing works on the law of supply and demand. So in other words, you go to a service, people place a demand on you, you lay hands upon them and they get the miracles. In the realm of the glory, I don't touch any person. I won't pray for any person. The glory of God comes. He touches the people at the back all over. Um, and that's when the glory of God comes. And then you see creative miracles. I mean, in minutes you see hundreds of people being healed. And that's the realm that you want to go to. Yeah. You know, we, we preach a lot and we do a lot of conferences. So I'll become tired if I have to do it in the anointing because mm. I have to pray. But in the realm of the glory, I'm nowhere involved. In. So the anointing works like this, Eric. Let's say I am God, for instance. And you are Eric, called by God, anointed by God. And then we have Jordan. Exactly. So God will say, Eric, I want you to pray for Jordan. So I'm working through you to do a miracle for him. That's the anointing. Okay. In the glory, God says, I'm touching him. <laughs> You're out of the way. Stay back. Just go for Let him. And, he, and that's the realm that we want. Yeah. That's the dimension we want. When the glory of God just comes and takes over. Now, what's that look like to get the glory? Yeah, issue? how is that obtainable? First, like I said, you have to understand all the realms. Mm -hmm. The glory of God is activated. Here it is through the law of hunger. Come on. So the anointing works on supply and demand. The glory works through hunger. How hungry are you for the glory? How desperate are you for that? <laughs> How far are you prepared to die within yourself? Yeah. And I had to die in myself in a lot of things um, because I used to operate in the anointing. Prayed for the sick lay hands upon everybody. You know, it was, the, it was a kick for me when you lay hands upon people and they all fall under the power <laughs> yeah. and, and people get healed and you see the power of God manifesting. But that's the realm of the, of the anointing. Now we see all that in even greater in the realm of the glory. But I had to become hungry for that and I had to die. This is where I want to come to. I had to die to self. Yeah. To say, okay, it's not about me now. Mm -hmm. It's not about the big name now. It's not about how good I am and all that stuff. It's now about, okay, God, you need to show up now, you know. I had to move in that by faith. I never forget when Apostle Maldonado said to me, he says, Sunday, you're going to go back to your church and you call everybody who's got steel in their bodies and you pray for them and missing organs. And I'm thinking, how in the world is that going to happen? Just let me pray for a deaf ear, you know. That's the easiest <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I went that Sunday and I said, all right, let's... Um, all, all the people who's got steel in their bodies or missing organs come to the front. And then he said this, you don't lay your hands on nobody. You wait for the glory of God to come. And I stood on that platform. Everybody's standing in front of me. And I'm so used to lay hands upon people. But I had to die to that aspect and sure. say, okay, God, you have to show up now. And I'm standing there like <laughs> nothing is happening. <laughs> God... You better come now. Like, you know, <laughs> time's running out here and people are looking at me and I'm looking at them and <laughs> there's nothing happening. And then I prayed a corporate prayer and the power of God started healing the people. T steel turned wow. to flesh and, you know, people got wow. uh, organs back. And so those things have become a real, 
I think, a trademark characteristic of the glory of God coming upon the people. So my ministry really is to activate this generation on how to operate in that, how to flow in that, who they are, and then activate them and then let them do the miracle signs and wonders. And that is the greatest thing to see at the glory of God coming. So hunger, because hunger has a look. Hunger has a look. There's something to a hungry person. Um, uh, And in the kingdom of God, the more hungry you are, the yeah, the more you desire of God, the more hungry you become for Him. Yeah. You're never satisfied in the kingdom of God. You want one yeah. more, you want more, you want more. <laughs> and then surrender. You have to surrender. A lot of a lot of prayer, but watch out that prayer doesn't become works because mm. that was one of the obstacles I felt in my life was there are enemies to the supernatural. Reasoning is an enemy to the supernatural, Mm. natural reasoning. I think that's the greatest enemy, I would say. To the supernatural is natural reasoning. So a guy sits in front of you in a wheelchair, your mind immediately goes, what's gonna happen there, you know? You have to go past the reasoning into the realm of faith, the anointing, the glory. Yet, let me just say this. You first start in faith, go to the anointing, enter or stay in uh, in the glory of God. So sometimes I have to read the service. Okay, the glory of God's not here yet. I have to operate in the anointing, lay hands upon the people, impart into them. And then there comes that service where the presence of God just descends. And then it's easy to operate. Hmm. So let, let's talk some practicals, okay? Hmm. As, as teenagers, right, we have, you know, we've got busy schedules, we've got, we got lives that, you know, you know, some of it is important, some of it's not so important, we should be sacrificing some more time. <laughs> How do we start seeing ourselves? And you said, obviously, it has to do with how hungry you're willing to get. And yep. that, that does look a specific way. And I can see that in some people now when we walk past or we'll be in worship service. And that. So there's a very distinct sign you can see when you look into someone's eyes where they're like, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Get, show me the next level. Mm-hmm. Let me step yeah. out, step out the boat again. Mm-hmm. How do we see that happen on a large scale? Maybe not just in America, but in the world right now in, in our youth. Mm-hmm. How, how would you say we'd see that happen? Well, once again, it comes down to the point of being, being in that place we operate in the glory of God. Because, you know, I, I was now recently in Ethiopia where a million people was gathering together. <laughs> you can't pray for a million people. You can't pray for all those sick people. It's just impossible. You have to transfer the anointing from your hands to your voice and release the power of God through the sound system upon those people to the one at the back. And then the creative miracles start happening. So I can't, I mean, the first row is like probably 50 meters or whatever in front of me. So I can't see the people and lights are in your eyes. So you have to trust the realm of faith, enter into the glory of God and release the power of God through that. So what I would say is there is a hunger in this generation, what I've sensed. Um, It's never been like this before. There is, and I don't want to say this negatively, but there is a lost generation and that generation is the ones uh, in the gap from your age and my age. Yeah. There's like a gap somewhere. I would say from 30 years till about 45. It's like, it's like a, a generation that doesn't have the touch of God. And I'm not saying this negatively. But then there's a generation under 30. They're either weird or they're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> there's no like middle road. No. It's like the weirdest thing. And, <laughs> Whatever uh, we're going to do, we're going to do to the extreme. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, and that's true. And that is so. I love that passion about this generation. I love their dress codes. I love the way they they think. I love the way they they talk. I love the slang about it. I love the the way they think about it. You know, my son Nikki and Michal, they challenge me constantly. I sit with them and I say, "Speak to me the slang. Speak to me the language, and change my my way of thinking." change everything about the church so that we can have an impact and, and, and reach a generation that we want to reach. I'm not reaching them yet as like what I would like to, yeah. but we're pushing for that. And I'm raising up young children now to operate in that. Listen, Jordan, if a six-year-old can ask for a Wi-Fi passcode, I'm sure he can understand the power of God. Yeah. And so we train them in the anointing, train them in the power of God, train them in our children's ministry. Two or three-year-olds are praying for people. So I place good. a demand on them to do that. 
They must pray for people. They must lay their hands upon people so that the culture can develop wow. of the supernatural, you know, that they be can become a generation that the supernatural is not an event. It's a lifestyle. Hmm. Let's talk, let's talk personal lifestyle then. So, well, I guess we've kind, of, we've kind of covered personal lifestyle, what we need to be doing in our own lives, whether it's, you know, correcting our speech. Like I had a buddy the other day who was talking to me, asking, you know, job advice. And they're like, hey, so you run your own company, whatever. Like, what would I, what should I do about this? And I'm like, like you need to listen to the voice of God. Find what you're called to do and chase off. It's like, well, I guess it, you know, I guess nothing's too difficult for God to do that. I'm like, what did you just say? He's like, no, nothing's too difficult for, I'm like, no, get rid of the two. Nothing mm. is difficult for God. <laughs> Where, where's the faith in that statement? Right. You contradict yourself midway through the statement. So like correcting our words, setting up expectations, setting up a hunger in our generation, in our daily lives, in our you know, quiet time, throughout our day, whether it's at Starbucks, Dunkin', Walmart, you name it, getting there and, and, and changing the world as we know it, shifting the atmosphere as we know it. I guess that'd be how we do in our personal life. What would your advice be then for friend groups? And I want to I kind of cover a couple different areas in our life where we need to start seeing the supernatural mm -hmm. because I can be on fire for the rest of my life and I can change the world. Mm. But if two of us do it, you know, the Bible says that one will slay a thousand and two will take 10,000. Mm -hmm. And so if we can corporately start engaging in the supernatural, how would you say we can start seeing that? Like, what would your advice be for either picking friend groups and, and, and maybe some of the practicals behind it that we can start seeing the supernatural in friend groups and in social, in, in small groups, in youth, in young adult ministries? How do we start seeing that manifest? Well, firstly, let me just get back to the point of you can never, there's many substitutes that we see in the kingdom of, hmm. well, in the world today. Praise and worship has been sub substituted or replaced, let's use that word, by entertainment. Hmm. So, yeah. you know, you go to churches, it's not praise and worship, it's just entertainment. And uh, counseling or deliverance has been replaced by counseling. When last did you see a demon come out in church? You tell me. You, you tell me when last the guy manifests like a crazy thing, climbing up a wall, you know. You don't see that. People yeah. will freak out. They'll never go to church again, you yeah. know. Everyone's so um, sensitive. Yeah, everybody's so sensitive. So we see a lot of replacements. A lot of, the fear of God has been replaced by hyper-grace messages, and we see a lot of replacements. I would say my suggestion is this. You need to you attract who you are. If you are hungry, you're going to attract hungry people. Hmm. If your cell is not hungry, they're not going to attract hungry people. So you need to create and stir a hunger in the people. How do you stir a hunger? I've always asked that question. How do I become hungry? I become hungry when I see things. You know, when we eat at your dad and he takes out the key light pie or, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. or the steak he puts on the, on the green egg. That Even if I don't want to eat, flesh, yeah. it just looks so good that I'm going to have a piece. You understand? <laughs> or two. Yeah, or so two. I think there must be a demonstration of the power of God. When the demonstration is there, you take one miracle, just one supernatural miracle, and that brings a hunger in people to say, I want more of that. Mm. We can sit here and I can tell you testimony upon testimony about two dead people I've seen raised. I've, I can, and I can start creating a hunger here. Eventually, you're going to say, I want that. Sure. I want yeah, that. Right. What, am, what am I doing? I'm creating a hunger in you. It's all I'm actually doing. It's creating a hungry, no hunger in you. So create a hunger. Um, and, you, and the hunger comes by prayer. You can never substitute prayer. You yeah. know? Um, and I, once again, I want to make it clear that prayer shouldn't be a religious thing. Yeah. You know, I need to pray two hours. I used to pray like this. I used to have a stopwatch to see if I can pray eight hours a day. You know, like, <laughs> I need to pray. And then I'll pray eight hours. And then, and then the first person that I meet after I've prayed eight hours is the devil. And he comes with, don't you think, don't think eight hours can do anything for you. You know, Benny prays 12 hours or your dad used to fast 40 days. You know, he always comes with accusations, accusations, accusations. And I had to learn to shut that out of my mouth, out of my mind and say, it's not about my works. Yeah. It's not how good I pray, how long I pray, how much I read the Bible. Those are all stuff I need to do. But it, those, those things doesn't qualify me to operate in the things of God. My relationship with God, that is the most important thing. Now I have a relationship with God. We can walk out here and go and lead somebody to the Lord, pray for him, heal him, and the job is done. And I didn't pray for that. I'm just in constant relationship with God. 
you know. But I wake <laughs> up every morning and my first thing is I do spend an hour in prayer or in the Word or whatever. And then the whole day further on, it's just being one year in heaven, one year on the earth, and just living a lifestyle with that. And meet the supernatural is all about meeting the needs of people. Mm-hmm. That is the supernatural. If you have a need, I'm going to meet that for mm-hmm. you. And to lose your fear and your generation, Jordan. Eric, you guys have got no fear. And yeah. use that into the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, and that is to lead people to Christ. Um, there was one point in, in our home that we did not go to bed if we didn't lead somebody to the Lord. Wow. Michal and Nikki, they will not go to bed if they haven't let somebody. And I didn't tell them that. They just like, I feel convicted to do that. They felt convicted to do that. <laughs> because soul winning becomes so addictive, you know, to see somebody change in front of your eyes. I think that's the greatest miracle. Yeah. And just to walk up to somebody and say, your name is Jordan and all this. We were recently in a, uh, staying in a hotel in Cape Town. And um, we came back late the evening, and the only thing that's open is the bar, the um, mm-hmm. the bar, right? Yeah, yeah. So we sat there, Auntie Lillian, myself, Nikki, and four other other of our team members, and we ordered coffee. So Nikki went and he sat at the bar, at the bar, and he spoke to the bar team barman. And so this guy's like, I don't want anything to do with Jesus, please. You know, Jesus has done this. He killed my mom, and blah blah blah. And Nikki stayed there for three hours. <laughs> Couldn't break through. Tried every argument and every defense you could. And then he said this, Holy Spirit, tell me something about this man. And the next moment, the word of knowledge kicked in. And he says, um, your mom's name is this. She died of that. X. And he started giving word of knowledge, prophetic utterance. That guy started crying. How do you know these things? And the power of God converted him and he got saved that night. Yeah. Sometimes, not sometimes, that is the power of the gospel is not going to get a tent and stand on a, on a stadium. I always say this to the people in our church. I want to be an evangelist. Okay, so what's your concept about evangelist? Now I want to have a stadium. Well, you, you're wrong. Go out there and trust God to give you a word for somebody that's walking in that street. And just tell him, hey, the Lord says healing your back. I promise you now. You'll see the power of God in that street, man. And you'll become the greatest evangelist ever. And that's how I see evangelism in the end time, operating through the word of knowledge. And just friends groups coming together. Hey, guys, tonight we're not having friends. We're going to go out to the esplanade. And you're going to trust the Lord for a word for somebody. And you pray 30 minutes. Everybody prays. Get in the cars. Go. If you stir a hunger... In the people and win souls, you will always have the fire of God in your life. <laughs> always. So always. Oh. So I really think that is something that we've lost, is the ability to win souls for Jesus. Yeah. Practically. Let's take it one step further. Mm. Right. For those who don't know or who haven't been paying attention because you're, you're lost in the spirit right now, <laughs> you mentioned Auntie Lillian, which is, who is your wife. Yeah. Okay. We, we've covered personal life. And, our, and our, our own lives, then we've covered friends groups. How do spouses affect our ability to stay on fire? Or is it important that your callings line up? Is it important that you're both already on fire? I know you've got a pretty crazy story when it comes to how you met Auntie Lillian, how all that went down. But realistically now, do you guys cultivate each other every morning? Do you challenge each other every morning? Does that affect how fired up you are? I think it's the beauty of diversity. You know, it's like... I see how God deals with my wife, where she is now in her, her walk with God, mm-hmm. you know, and then that ministers to me, you know, and then the things that I go through ministers to her, you know, and sometimes we like, okay, whatever I shared, mm, you know, doesn't mean a lot at that moment, but my wife is my greatest prophet. She prophesies to me. She will tell me, watch out for that man, watch out for that deal that you pray about. She will always ask, did you pray about it? Do you have a word about it? You know, the kids even mock her, you know, when they, when they ask her for, for something and then they'll say, Mom, we have a word or we're going to get a scripture. You know, she always asks them, do you have a word for what you're doing? And that is the, I think the check, the balances, because I'm not inclined like that. Hmm. Um, so if my wife doesn't ask me, do you have a word? I'll just do it, you know, because of my nature. Yeah. 
So we, she balances me tremendously in that. Um, and like I said, I think she pray, not think, she prays definitely more than me. <laughs> definitely. And uh, so I ba- piggyback on her prayers. And, uh, but she's the one that will, hey, you must pray, you must read the word of God, use the communion. You know, she challenges me a lot in my spiritual walk. And for me, that is wonderful. It's great because I want to, I want to have that relationship. I think the problem might come if there are two people that are so strong and they become in competition. <laughs> that can be a problem in ministry. Um, I haven't seen it, you know, but I think it can become a big problem. <laughs> if there are two strong ministries and each one is going their own direction, they must do it together. <laughs> must do it together. Otherwise, it's going to be a problem. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So then the final step, I'd say, stage four of staying on fire would be after success. And we've spoken about, especially with your your, whole, your testimony and your dad's story in that, once we achieve, I, I don't ever think you, you fully achieve. Like I think you, you continue to grow every yes, single day. You absolutely. continue to burn and burn and burn and burn. But let's say you get to the point where you're like, oh, okay, I make a million bucks a year now. Or, oh, okay, I see 100,000 souls saved. Or, oh, you know, we have meetings with 500,000 people attending mm-hmm. stadiums. Once you get to the point of like where you can actually look back and you have the opportunity for pride to creep into your life, yeah. how do you avoid that? How would you say we can avoid? And I mean, I think there are several, and we spoke about some of the several blocks to the supernatural where, you know, and like we, I don't know who we spoke to about this, where the Holy Spirit's not sharing glory with anyone. God's not here to share glory with anyone. So the second you start being prideful, he's like, all right, do it by yourself. That's fine. When you're done and you want to say sorry and we want to carry on, call me, I'll be there. (laughs) Mm. And so when we look at that, I think the two biggest blocks that I've seen, at least personally in my own life, are unforgiveness and pride. Mm. How can we avoid those? Even now, but more importantly, throughout the journey. Pride is the biggest weapon that the enemy can use to let you fall hmm. and the, the worst thing about pride is you can't see it I can see if somebody smoke drink drugs it's yeah. physical with the natural I can see that sin I can't see pride that thing creeps in like so so sneaky and if, if you don't have somebody in your life that can speak to you, you are not going to run the race until the end. I had a dream about my dad uh, many years ago, you know, after the whole situation with him. And this is the dream I had. I, dream, I dreamed I was in a, in a, in a glass house. Well, not me, my dad was in a glass house overlooking these beautiful mountains. And I saw him in this beautiful white robe and I saw him in this beautiful place, but it's all glass. So I ran up to him and he looked at me and I can remember his face so excited, you know, to see me. And I, but I can't get to him. Like there's a veil obviously between us, you know. And um, he showed me, he says, go to, to the corner, there's a phone. So I go to the phone, I picked up the phone and he picks up the phone. And, and the first words that came out of my, wife, my mouth was, why did this happen? The whole situation with him. And he said three words that I'll never forget. And up till today, I live according to that. He said this, accountability, accountability, accountability. And I woke up and I knew God spoke to me. It's to be accountable in my life. You can never be bigger than anyone else. I'm telling you now. And the way I deal with pride is I have to serve for me. I just said to you about the Ethiopia crusade. So I went with Apostle Maldonado to, uh, I've been traveling with him for three years now, and I go to crusades for this reason. I don't preach on the crusades. I go and be the bus driver, or be the security guard, or make food for them, uh, be an usher for them, travel in a car that's no armor bearers, and go and serve. Nobody must know who I am. I want to go and serve. So here's the great apostle, the great doctor, whatever that everybody sees. But now I'm in, in, in a place where I'm going to serve you. I'm going to make sure I carry your Bible, carry your book, and lay aside everything like Jesus. He says, I came to serve, not to be served. Now that keeps me humble. 
that keeps me to the place of don't think highly of yourself. You know? Now, the deeper you serve, it's got the opposite effect as well. The deeper you serve, the higher the promotion. You know? So you have to keep serving, keep serving, keep serving, and um, be accountable. Let that person be that, let that, maybe not a friend, but you need to have somebody that can, can speak to you directly. I ask the people in my life, I'll ask them, have you lied this week? Have you watched pornography this week? Have you, have you cheated on your finances? Uh, and you need to be accountable to me on that because you need that accountability in your life. Otherwise, if you are a lone ranger and you think you're better than others, you won't last long. Yeah. It's not going to happen. And you know where I first picked it up? And I'm sorry I'm going back to my dad, but that is just this, like this reference point. When he became so massive, my dad used to do three 40-day fast. He used to pray probably four or five hours a day. When he became very big, he employed intercessors to pray for him, <laughs> for the ministry. And looking back, I would say that was the first downfall. Second downfall was he gave the church away. He gave his covering away. He should have never done that. He should have had the covering of leadership around him. I remember I played drums in a small Baptist church <laughs> when we moved to Durban, when we lost everything. Uh, I played drums for the church, and it was only in a school hall, and it was only like 50 people, like very mellow, you know, the Baptist church. Yeah, type of yeah. Thing. And I would tell my dad, come with me to church. And I'll never, and the reason why I can't forget that, because I feel the Spirit of God dealt with me that day, and he said this, why must I go and sit there? I'm bigger than that church. Those words feels to me like he said it yesterday. It's like the Spirit of God highlighted that and said, don't become like that, where you think you're bigger than. Hmm. Um, and that's why, Jordan, you know me. I love serving. I've got, I'm trying to have no demands on me. But let's just go and have fun. And let's just have... As long as there's course, key lamp pie, you're there. As long as there's key lamp pie and good coffee, I'm there. So um, the anointing <laughs> works with good coffee. Do you know that? Yes. With espresso uh -huh. and key lime. Triple shot of espresso. And, and you enter into the realm of the <laughs> So, um, yeah, that's how accountability. Accountability and watch out for pride. Don't ever become arrogant. I and, and sorry, can I just say this? Yeah. Don't become familiar with the presence of God. <laughs> Our challenge in this generation is we can become familiar with a God we hardly know and how do I create hunger in the midst of abundance? It's keys those things. I have to create a hunger in my church that sees the supernatural every Sunday and keep them hungry. Hungry for God. Yeah. You know? And so what I did is last year I made them do a study on revivals. I said, I want we're gonna as a church, we're gonna study all the revivals. And that created a hunger in them. It's like when you read about Smith Wigglesworth that went into a prayer room and he prays and they say you can't breathe in the room of when he starts praying the atmosphere gets sucked in <laughs> like people crawling out just to get fresh air <laughs> and a, a reporter when he says that's impossible it can't happen so he went and a reporter a newspaper reporter went into testers he says smith wiggles were started praying he says sure enough one by one the atmosphere became thick. He says, eventually I said to myself, I'm not leaving here. But he couldn't breathe. And he <laughs> crawled out and he wrote the report of Smith Wigglesworth of the intensity of prayer. Now, just saying that, yeah. I've already created a hunger in any one of you here to say, yeah. I want that. Yeah. Right. I, I want to yeah. pray <laughs> like that. I want to be in an atmosphere like that. And so small testimonies, sorry, of revivals are, are very important and of moves of God. If you have an encounter you become a carrier of that encounter. And so how do I carry the supernatural? Because I had an encounter with the supernatural. So once you have an encounter, you become a carrier of the encounter, and yeah, you create hunger wherever you go. Yeah, I, <laughs> I just love the supernatural. It's like, the, that is the thing that gets me on fire for the Lord. And I was just sitting here thinking about like what, what my church life looked like before I encountered the supernatural and like the difference even just in my daily walk like it felt like someone could almost talk me out of my faith or I was scared to talk about my faith because it was so like I, I started almost questioning myself when someone would try and talk me out now that I've experienced the supernatural myself 
there's not one single thing that someone could do to talk me out of my faith for God because I've experienced him. I know him now, like for real. It wasn't just me hearing and believing. I've seen it now. Yeah. Um, I believe in our generation, there would be so many more prayer warriors if they realized what would, what's going on in the supernatural when we pray. And I would love if you could touch more on that. Let me start off by saying that this generation, I see them as the remnant. So I want to give you that first. What does the word remnant mean? There's a couple of definitions of it. Number one, it means the residue. It means survivors. And then I love this one. It's a supernatural breed. That's what the word remnant means. <laughs> we survived, man. You survived religion, Eric. Yeah. You understand? <laughs> yeah. Somewhere, I don't know your full story, but you had an encounter somewhere with God. Now you're hungry for Him. Yeah. And never, you have to never lose your hunger for God. Uh, the moment you're going to lose your hunger, you're going to go and become a normal person. So that's your choice. You're either a normal preacher, pastor, leader, or you can become the remnant that says, I'm going to be a carrier of the supernatural power of God. <laughs> And I'm not going to lose my anger. I'm never going to come become so familiar with the presence of God that I feel it's, oh, this is just normal. For me, it can, I can go into familiarity like that. Yeah. Because we see so many miracles happening. It's like, oh, that's just another day for you. That's just another blind, wow. you know. Or it's like, wow, look at what God has done. I always stay in that place of thankfulness, gratefulness, and yeah. see a miracle as if I've never seen a miracle. When I open yeah. the Bible, it's like I've never read the Bible. When I go into my prayer room, I've never prayed. It's my first time. <laughs> it's the first time I'm going to meet Jesus. You know, and awesome. when I can stay hungry like that, I become a carrier of that. So an encounter makes you a carrier of the encounter. Secondly, encounter leaves you to be, become hungry for God. And in this generation, through prayer, I personally believe there's a realm of prayer that we haven't reached yet. You know, that we still need to access. Now, if yeah. you pray, I don't know how long you, you guys pray, but if you just take a day and you say, today I'm just going to pray. That first hour for me, it's like I'm, I'm hanging around, you know. But there's something that shifts after an hour in prayer, in a dimension that you access and stuff starts moving. I don't know. It just, it's just something about that. So my prayer life is consistent out of worship, I first worship for about 30 minutes to 40 minutes. Put on worship music, worship. Get into the presence of God. I don't ask anything in 30 minutes. I don't pray for the service. I don't ask for needs. I just worship Him. Jesus said, this is how you pray. Hallowed be your name. Worship Him. Then you go and you start praying for the, for the thing. So prayer should become exciting. It's a relationship. Spend hours with God and minutes with man. That equals the power of God. Hmm. Jesus spent hours in the night praying with, to his father. And he, in 10 seconds, he opens a blind eye. You understand? Our problem is we spend hours with man. And then, oh, you know, I have to spend time with God. You know, If we can get the ratios right, we will see really a demonstration of the power of God. And I know this language is not familiar in, not even in your generation, in my generation. It's like people don't want to pray. You know, if we can get away from not praying, we will be happy. But that is the price right there. I think the whole, the whole of the supernatural seems to be quite unfamiliar with, with our generation. I think that's what makes people so hungry for it. Yeah. I mean, we had spoken just recently. I had my eyes opened and my ears opened to hearing the voice of the Lord. Like I'd heard here and then I had had him reach out with prophecy. Like I've been in communication, but never been able to clearly distinctly hear it for myself. Mm. And so God started speaking to me and I was listening to some prophecy, even one that you had recorded for me like a month or two ago to start practicing, start practicing, listen to the voice of God and, and start developing that. And I always thought I was like, what the heck does developing a gift mean now? Like, mm. What is that supposed to mean? And he said like, start. Just start. That's all I want. Just start and stay hungry. And I started doing that and, and God just kept, continued talking to me and it got clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer. And then he said, okay, now start releasing. So start texting, start calling people, start doing that. And I was like, okay, God. And the step from, the step from personal, not telling anyone to texting, I saw That's what good, I was still, what I was still hungry for. I That's was like, good. God, if you speak to me, I never talk to anyone about it. I'll still do it because this is incredible. And then God said, 
there's another level start talking start texting to people that's good and i was like oh my word and it was like it was like it happened again it was like the first time i'd ever heard god's voice again and again and again <laughs> and then he said it's like so okay good. cool let's take it up a notch start calling people and that happened and i've cried i cried on the phone and i was like god like this is this is like the first time i've heard your voice again and then said okay i want you to start practicing in person new faces not just friends you know <laughs> new people is if it's at the drive-through and I tell you to speak, if you're checking out and I tell you to speak to someone, I want I want you to start doing that. And it happened recently wow. again where That's it was like the first time it had happened and the first time I'd ever heard his voice again. I was so hungry. I said, like, how much hungrier can I get for something like this? Like, I feel like I'm going to die if I don't do it, if I don't hear from <laughs> you. Like, I physically don't know how much hunger I could get. And he was like, have you seen how they reacted yet? And I'm like, come to think of it no i've never seen their face react to it. like i mean I've, I've seen like i've given words to people right. or i've obeyed the holy spirit i've obeyed the voice of the lord but never seen the fruit of it yet is mm. it just wait stay hungry <laughs> that's the next step wow. you're gonna see you're gonna that see the brilliant. fruit of it so now, that's practicing the presence of god you know <laughs> i'm actually learning it from you it's like start start with the text mm -hmm. just what you feel i'm gonna text that to my friend or to somebody and then a voice note and then the phone call that's brilliant man you know, that's that's practicing the presence of God. And in what you've said about the home groups, the cells, mm -hmm. whatever they call it, that's where you practice. Yeah. That's where you mess up, you know. And if you prophesy and it doesn't mean anything, and okay, well, he didn't. I prayed for, I don't know how many people in a wheelchair and nobody got up. <laughs> nobody, you know. Hmm. And I think I was like, I prayed for, you I was going to actually have a look at all my stats, but it's probably 18 people I prayed for that didn't get raised from a, from a, from a wheelchair. And then 19, but number 20 came. Sure. And that was the first one. And then faith rises. Yeah. Once you've seen the first miracle, I prayed for many blind eyes. Eventually I said, I'm not going to pray for any blind people anymore. It's like they can't see. <laughs> you know, and... Um, eventually that miracle yeah. took place and when i tested that first miracle and that guy could see clearly so i was like that's it right and the deaf ear and then you know the the people who are paralyzed and in wheelchairs and the dead and you start seeing all these things manifesting and your faith starts rising but let me just say this jordan and eric besides all of that there's nothing just to be like in the presence of god yeah uh don't ever chase the power. Chase the presence of God. Don't build your ministries or your life on power. Build it on the presence of God, on the Word of God, and you'll have a long, long ministry. And build slow, but build strong. And continue, be persistent in what God has called you to do. And you'll reap the fruit of it. You'll reap the fruit of it. You know. And with that, I think our time here is done. <laughs> Thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening. We are the next. We're here to inspire, equip, and expand. Amen.